Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day here at Midweek. We hope you are having a good day and we'll have a good day. We have lots to talk about. Big report out yesterday. There was a lot of speculation about, you know, how much of the uh, report might already have been factored in or would this be a report that really continued this big bull market or does it kind of slow things down well it didn't really seem to slow things down we have some interesting numbers to go over and we're going to get a lot of perspective on those numbers today arlen suderman chief commodities economist with stone x will be joining us give us his takeaways from yesterday's report matt bennett with agmarket.net will also be joining us i mean the markets are red hot and we have so much to talk about we're going to be really focused on that report from uh, this week and uh, the rest of this week uh, continue to get as much analysis and outlook for you as we can on these markets that are just going wild. Also today, I want to talk again with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, because we've got a lot going on with the biofuels industry. Um, as we've talked about, the Supreme Court is going to take up this 10th Circuit Court ruling on the handling of EPA of these small refinery exemptions. And while that is good news and that it will finally bring resolution to it, it's uh, also a further delay, as we've talked about, in, in a decision that's now over a year old. So we continue to wait on that. Uh, the other concern for the biofuels industry is, will the Trump administration here in its last week grant more small refinery exemptions? And uh, a lot of concern about that. And already the Renewable Fuels Association talking about if that happens, there may be legal action from it. And uh, we'll talk about that with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, a little bit later on, just about what they have in mind, what they are watching for, and what they intend to do if more of these exemptions are indeed granted. So that's a big story to watch. And there's so much, of course, going on in the news with the impeachment vote and things like that. It's a, it's a wild end to this uh, administration. As we get, uh, we've talked a lot about the transition, but in many ways it's a bumpy transition. Not so much uh, on the ag side, things are kind of in place, and uh, we kind of know who's going to be where, pending confirmations, of course. So there's already a lot of work done, as we've talked about uh, yesterday and, and previously, and on how that transition is going. But uh, a lot happening right now that will really impact uh, the direction of things here for some time to come. Okay, I uh, mentioned uh, the report out yesterday. So we have a lot to talk about here. Uh, Ag department officials estimating the 2021 corn ending stocks at 1.55 billion bushels in the uh, world ag supply and demand estimates. Uh, that's down slightly from last month's projection of 1.7 billion, but less than half the 3.32 billion bushels estimated last May, just showing how far we've come in a relatively short period of time. Um, March uh, corn futures closed 25 cents higher, soybeans 47 cents higher, wheat 30 cents higher in reaction to that. Uh, so so just wild numbers here. Uh, in May, go back to May, wasn't that long ago. In May, USDA was expecting 97 million acres of corn to be planted, 
estimated to produce 15.99 billion bushels. And then we had the big reductions in yields, slight reductions in planted area, uh, while harvested area remained virtually unchanged. Now looking at a slightly more than 14 billion bushel crop. USDA's estimate for this year's corn crop dropped from 14.5 billion bushels in December to 14.1 billion bushels this month. The estimate for corn harvested yield dropped dropped to 172 bushels per acre, down from 175.8. So again, that's a key figure. The estimate for corn harvested yield dropped down to 172. Total domestic use for corn lowered from 12.17 billion bushels in December to 12.02 billion in January. Looking at the soybean production numbers, and of course the soybean market has been red hot, soybean production estimated at 4.13 billion bushels. That is down 35 million bushels from last month, according to USDA. Harvested area estimated at 82.3 million acres. That's slightly up from the prior report. Yield is estimated at 50.2 bushels per acre. That's down a half a bushel from the 50.7 earlier. So again, soybean yield now estimated 50.2. The average soybean price increased from 10.55 last month to 11.15 in January and continues to go up. Uh, on the wheat side, USDA expected a, expecting a stable U.S. wheat supply with higher domestic use, pretty much unchanged exports, and lower ending stocks. The department's analysis projected 2021 wheat ending stocks dropped 26 million bushels to 836 million bushels, down 19% from last year, which increased the average farm price by 10.15 per bushel to 4 85 or I should say increase the average farm price by 15 cents per bushel to 485 when I get that right joining us now is Mac Marshall he's the United Soybean Board's vice president for market intelligence Mac I just went over all the numbers from the report uh, on the soybean side what's your takeaway well, uh, the name of the game here is, is uh, tight balance sheets getting even tighter. Um, you know, every year, uh, every January, USDA uh, looks at prevented plantings, looks at yields as they come in uh, throughout the harvest, and, uh, you know, trues up the crop size. So, you know, the reduction in crop size this year down to 4.135 billion bushels. And magnitude, not that much, but we consider that it's against the backdrop of uh, – inventories where we're looking at a, you know, about a 14-day carryout at the end of the season, you know, any incremental, um, you know, downward revision there, you know, certainly going to spur uh, spur some additional price movement. And that's what we saw yesterday as a carryout was taken down uh, to 140 million bushels, about a 3% stocks-to-use ratio, 11-day carryout, um, very, very tight, certainly on the U.S. side there. Internationally, uh, what I was looking for in the report was to see, you know, what, if any, revisions would be made to South American production as there's been a lot of dryness down there. No revisions uh, to Brazil, but Argentina taken down by 2 million metric tons, uh, bringing the expectation of that crop down, uh, you know, nearly 6 million metric tons relative to even October. So, you know, a lot of progress there. Those are certainly factors we'll be looking for uh, in the coming months, uh, you know, as uh, we lead up to planting season. Real quick, where do you see this market going now? Well, uh, 
you know, this year has certainly been uh, one of surprises, not just 2020, but the marketing year that we're in right now. And I look back to August when, you know, prices were treading in the in the mid eight dollar range. You know, who could have seen a roughly six dollar rally since then? Um, you know, there's a lot of buildup leading up to the report. And certainly with that tightness uh, coming in, uh, we had the rally yesterday. Um you know, uh, between now and, and planting season, again, uh, looking at South America, I think if we see any more, um, you know, crops, we have a large bill. Um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, some additional ups. Right. Okay, Mac, you're well, cutting out on us. Uh, so you, there is potential more upside yet. We'll talk more about that in the future. Mac Marshall with the uh, United Soybean Board, their vice president, market uh intelligence we'll have more on the report a little bit later on but up next jeff cooper with renewable fuels association right here on aoa hi this is mike adams you're listening to aoa adams on agriculture don't go away more adams on agriculture coming right up through the years you've really kept up with the times you're on social media like like dislike block Maintained your health? 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer at the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. We're looking at the December numbers. Perhaps the barometer numbers are up. Yeah, the, the barometer increased to 174 in December. But the real story of this, the index of the current conditions and index of future expectations really moving in, in different directions or there's more divergence between those. And specifically, the index of current conditions reached an all-time high of 202 in December where the index of future expectations was relatively flat in December. And so what's going on here, obviously, is because of the recent increase in prices, people are very optimistic about the outlook for the next year. And certainly with the prices that we've seen, uh, even since this, this survey was taken, that there's room for optimism in the next year or so. But they're a little less optimistic when you look out five years. And so, and so that's the real story this month. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today. 
with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, lots to talk about with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. And Jeff, thanks for joining us again. So the Supreme Court is going to take up this 10th Circuit Court ruling on small refinery exemptions. On one hand, that's good. You'll you'll get final resolution at some point. But on the other hand, it's just going to delay it even more. Plus, you run the risk of the ruling going against you. Uh, so, I mean, this over a year later, this thing is still up in the air. It is, Mike. And, and we were certainly hoping uh, that the Supreme Court would take a look at the Tenth Circuit case and decide not to review the case. We, we, we continue to believe the Tenth Circuit got it right the first time. Uh, we believe the court's decision was very well-reasoned, very logical, uh, we think it's consistent with the Clean Air Act and, and consistent with congressional intent. Um, and we're confident that the Supreme Court will ultimately affirm uh, the Tenth Circuit uh, Court decision. But, yeah, it's going to drag on, and, and it's probably another six or seven months before we would get some final decision from the Supreme Court uh, on this. And, it, you know, it was, I think, not what anyone was expecting uh, when we got the news last Friday that they are going to review this especially when even the Department of Justice had suggested that the Supreme Court not review this case. Which makes me wonder, why are they reviewing the case? I mean, we see a lot of cases uh, get sent to the, and they just re- reject them, say we're not even going to look at them or take them up. Why do you think they're going to do this one? Does that give you pause for concern? Well, we're, we're not real sure, Mike, and, and that's the... the Really, the crux of the issue is, is the Supreme Court doesn't uh, doesn't come out and say why uh, they are interested in reviewing uh, a particular court case, um, and it is unusual. I mean, only about 10% of the cases uh, that are appealed to the Supreme Court from the the lower courts, the circuit courts, um, are picked up by the Supreme Court. So we're, you know, we look at the kind of standard criteria that uh, the Supreme Court uses to judge whether they want to look at these lower court cases or not. And we're really failing to see where this one checks any of those boxes. So it's it 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 was uh, a bit surprising, and we're still um, scratching our heads on on what they see here uh, that they want to take a look at. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So I want to talk about EPA that's going out. Got another week to go, and the one that's coming in. Let's start with the one going out. You are concerned that on the way out. They will grant more exemptions to oil refineries, and you have said, if so, you may take legal action. Well, that's right, Mike, and, and this is a concern we've we've had for a, a long time. Uh, we we have been keeping a close eye on EPA, and and now we're hearing that uh, the sort of nightmare scenario uh, that we are concerned about is is actually uh, sounds like it that that may be what we see here in the next week. Uh, we're hearing that Administrator Wheeler, on his way out of the EPA may grant a bunch more of these pending waiver petitions. Um, and it's you know not a done deal, and we're going to do everything we can to stop that from happening. 
Uh, but we could be facing another 20 to 24 waivers is what we're hearing. And that would involve another billion gallons or so of, of lost renewable fuel blending requirements, another billion RINs being thrown back onto the market. Uh, and it, comes at a, it would come at a time when, you know, we've got facilities that are truly on the brink, Mike. Um, we've seen demand for ethanol decimated by COVID-19. We're struggling to recover from that. And now you're going to have EPA come and dump a bunch more exemptions on us. I mean, it's, it's um, just unbelievable almost that, that this is something that, uh, uh, that, that could happen. But by all accounts, uh, it, it appears that uh, Mr. Wheeler may be preparing to do that. So if that happens any time in this next week, say even as they're walking out of the building, basically, uh, then you have a new EPA coming in. Uh, you have to wonder now, they've got a case going to the Supreme Court. Uh, are they going to say, well, we're going to just wait to see what happens with uh, that case? I mean, does this uh, create more limbo on this? Well, they, they certainly wouldn't have to. Um, I mean, the, the Biden folks coming in um, could say, look, we're, we're not going to uh, continue to stand behind the, the, the underhanded practices of the previous administration on these small refinery exemptions. And, and they, they could uh, announce really on day one a, a change in direction and a change in policy with regard to how they administer these small refinery exemptions. And that would make the Supreme Court case, um, you know, moot uh, for all intents and purposes. So um, we, you know, we're hopeful, and in fact, I'd say we're confident um, that if EPA, the outgoing EPA, the Trump EPA, actually goes through with granting these these remaining waiver petitions, we're confident the incoming Biden administration is going to act swiftly to reallocate those volumes. Um, or, or some, you know, make up for those lost volumes in, in some other way um, based on the conversations we've had with the transition team and, and uh, certainly the Biden campaign when he was campaigning. Uh, they seem to understand the importance of this issue to, to our industry and, and, frankly, to rural America. Well, that's interesting. I, wanna, I want you to go over that again. In your conversations with the incoming administration, the transition team, you feel, sounds like, fairly confident that uh, they're going to reallocate these lost gallons and take a different approach on these refinery exemptions? Well, I mean, that, that's, what we've, that's what we've heard from, um, from the Biden camp, and, and it does. It goes all the way back to, to the campaign um, where, you know, Mr. Biden was, uh, was saying that these, these refinery exemptions are, are nonsensical, uh, that they're, they're unjustified, and they are clearly eroding demand for both renewable fuels and the commodities uh, that are used to make renewable fuels. Um, so he really denounced the Trump administration's practice of, of handing these things out um, so freely, and, and we are encouraged um, that the conversations we've had since then, because, you know, you hear all sorts of things you want to hear during the campaign, um, but, but we have heard since then um, as this team is transitioning into place, uh, you know, that, that, that those are commitments they intend to honor. Yeah, we'll be watching that closely. I know you will be. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. And I think back, Jeff, mm -hmm. a year ago, we were so excited with that Tenth Circuit Court ruling. A year later, we're still waiting for a resolution on that, and we've seen what's happened uh, in the year past. So, I mean, there's so much at stake yeah. here moving forward. Oh, there is, and, and uh, you know, again, I think this all goes to show that the outgoing administrator, Andrew Wheeler, is just a, a complete hypocrite, because for the last year, he's been telling us 
oh, I can't uh, adopt a Tenth Circuit court case, I can't implement this, um, until the appeals process fully plays out. Well, it hasn't played out, and, and now we have the case going to the Supreme Court. They're going to review the, the Tenth Circuit case. Uh, it won't play out until July or August, but now Wheeler's in a rush to get these things granted. So it's just another bald-faced lie from, uh, from this administration on the RFS, um, and, you know, we're, we're happy to we, – we'll, I, for one, will be happy to see uh, Andrew Wheeler leaving the building next week. Real quick before I let you go, uh, I mentioned this last time we talked. I wanted to talk a little bit about your upcoming National Ethanol Conference. It's going to be a virtual event, as most uh, ag events are mm-hmm. these days. But you've got a good lineup uh, that you're putting together. We, we really do, Mike, and I, I'm excited about uh, the event we have coming up. It's obviously, you know, it's it's going to have a different look and feel than, than the typical uh, National Ethanol Conference because it will be digital uh, but we're going to do our, our best to make it uh, interactive and, and very rewarding and valuable experience for folks. We've got Dan Jurgen uh, speaking about you know everything going on in the energy and, and uh, you know climate policy space and what's happening with geopolitics and, and kind of where things are headed after uh, the elections. Um, and I think you know he, he's going to be our keynote speaker and, and we'll provide some very interesting insights. But we're going to have, you know, folks from Fapri. We're going to have um, retailers talking about what's happening with E15 and E85. We're going to have people talking about the export markets and international trade. Um, so we, we've got a full agenda. Uh, we've broken it up over three days so people aren't, uh, you know, staring at a computer for, for six, six hours a day or something crazy like that. Uh, but we're really looking forward to a, a, a great event um, and going to do everything we can to make it as interactive and and um, you know, involved as possible for the attendees. We encourage people to get signed up for that, the National Ethanol Conference, which is next month. What are the dates on that again, Jeff? It's February 16th through the 18th, and, and we do have an early bird registration rate that expires uh, a week from yesterday. So uh, you got until January 19th to get that discounted rate uh, for registration, and, and we are seeing registrations really pour in. Yeah, I wish we could be together in person for that, uh, face-to-face, uh, like we usually are, because there's just so much critical information decision to be made. But at least we can do it virtually, and we encourage people to do so. Critical time for the biofuels industry. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Take care. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Up next, more analysis of the reports uh from USDA this week and this wild market, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX, joins us next. Stay with us. This is AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Grain markets are mixed and led higher by a surge in the corn market, which produced near-limit high trade on Tuesday evening before moderating slightly. On the Board of Trade, March corn is trading 16 and a fraction higher at 5.33 and three quarters. The May contract up 17 and a half cent at 5.36 and a half cent. March soybeans trading five and a fraction lower at 14.13 and a quarter. The May contract down three and a half cent at 14.10 and a quarter. Chicago Wheat March trading four and a half cent higher at 6.69 and a quarter. Kansas City Wheat March up eight cents at 6.30 and a half cent. Minneapolis Spring Wheat March trading six and three quarters of a cent higher at 6.27 and a half cent. The May contract up seven at 6.36. Aggressive price moves in corn trade during Tuesday's trading session and again in overnight trade has put more emphasis on higher feed costs. This continues to impact feeder cattle prices but nearby live cattle contracts remain heavily affected by feed market prices as well. April live cattle trading 15 cents higher at 117.80. The June contract up 20 at 115.07. January feeder cattle up 35 at 133.57. The March contract up 32 at 134.30. The April contract up 30 cents at 136.55. In the lean hog complex, the April contract down 95 at 72.57. The May contract down 60 at 77.77. In cash cattle country, a few bids are already on the table in parts of Kansas and Texas this morning. Asking prices are around $113 to $114 in the south and $176 plus in the north. This follows a light trade that took place yesterday in mostly eastern Nebraska with dress deals at $173 to $174 per hundredweight. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Ross. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
So, wow, we just had some strong comments from Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, calling outgoing EPA Administrator Wheeler a hypocrite for his handling of the RFS and small refinery exemptions, saying he'll be glad to see him go out the door and leave office uh, next week. So this is a critical time for the biofuels industry, key decisions, and now we wait for a Supreme Court ruling on the Tenth Circuit Court ruling uh, of a year ago. Meanwhile, it's a strong market we're dealing with now, and it got even stronger after yesterday's report. Joining us now is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Arlen, thanks for joining us. We were wondering, would this, uh, would this report fuel the fire, or would it kind of simmer things back a little bit? But things took off after the, the report yesterday. What was your takeaway? Well, there are a couple key takeaways from yesterday, and the first actually happened before the report came out when we got reports <clears throat> that had been emerging during the week that Russia was considering doubling its export tax on wheat. That all of a sudden started to fire up the wheat market. Now, corn and wheat had largely been a follower of soybeans prior to this. Soybeans had the story. Corn and wheat had potential stories. Suddenly, that gave wheat a story because that meant that Russia's having trouble taming their domestic prices. They're trying to shut down exports, and Europe's supplies are tight, and we haven't even priced in potential problems because of dryness and cold in the Black Sea region with the 21 crop or in the plains where Oklahoma and southern Kansas wheat looks good, but a lot of the plains winter wheat crop does not look good, and we won't know how that plays out for a few more weeks when we break dormancy. So wheat now has a story. Then we come to the USDA report, and the key number in that report was the historically large drop in the corn yield from November to January. My records go back to 1993 on making the month-to-month -month adjustments in yield, and it's the, by far the biggest yield change that we've seen, biggest yield drop that we've seen prior to this was 2.5 bushel. They dropped at 3.8 bushel in yesterday's report. And that suddenly meant that now corn has a story. Corn needs to fight soybeans for acres rather than merely follow along to make sure it doesn't lose too many. Now corn needs to make sure that it has the acres it needs, needs to fight soybeans. That makes it tougher for soybeans to try to rebuild stocks in the year ahead. And so suddenly you've got this perfect storm of all three of the major grain and oilseed commodities having a story now and looking attractive to the funds. Yeah, I think that's it. That That's the game changer, right? Before it was the soybean market pulling everything else along with it. Now you got a case to be built for both corn and wheat on, on their own. Yeah, and the other factor that came into play that I've seen very little discussion about is over the past week, we have seen three major respected weather models that have come out with their long-range summer outlook calling for a dry Midwest this summer, hot, dry summer. Now, I, I know that forecasting that far out has pretty low confidence, but in this type of scenario, that just adds more fodder to the bulls to say that we could have a dry Midwest this summer at a time when global supplies are being tested now, not just by, uh, for soybeans, but also for corn and perhaps for wheat as well. And uh, so that was one more factor playing into it. 
which adds to the challenge for farmers and their marketing decisions. Farmers already wishing they had kept more old crop to sell with these prices. Now wondering how much new crop do they sell with that kind of a weather picture kind of staring at them. Yeah, and the main thing that I would say is take a business approach to it. Look at what helps build equity in your farm. But remember, that's just one half the equation. You should be looking at your input costs as well, your fuel costs, your fertilizer costs. And so if you're going to lock in new crop prices, which may be the right thing to do at these price levels to start scaling in, also look at doing what you can to try to lock in some prices on your inputs as well um, because we know from history that when grain prices go up, those input costs go up. And when we're looking at a money flow situation that's screaming commodity inflation, at least right now it is, that means that that's broader than just the grain and oil seeds. Look at the look at the energy fundamentals overall. We're, we have OPEC pulling back production by over 7 million barrels per day. U.S. production is still lagging. We've got all this production that's off the table because of all the COVID restrictions and lockdowns around the world, which are continuing to grow, but yet we've been trading crude oil over $50 per barrel, over $53 a barrel this morning. That just shows how money flow is is pushing the food and energy sector higher in a commodity inflation mode, and that will influence input costs for the commodities that we produce as well. We're talking with StoneX Chief Commodities Economist Arlen Suderman. I, I mentioned this the other day and have been thinking about this. Uh, we've, we've seen this before. Higher prices don't solve all problems. Uh, as, as, as exciting as they are and as welcome as they are, unless you're on the buying side like the livestock industry. Uh, but uh, what we have seen before and we're starting to see now, and you just alluded to this, uh, a lot of the uh, input costs, a lot of those, those things you have to pay out in, in connection with producing that crop, we see those prices go up too. We've already started seeing some of that now. So all that has to be figured in. And uh, so much so much uh, for farmers to kind of take in here and try to make good decisions. So I guess the question everybody's asking, how high can this market go, Arlen? What are you thinking? Well, it can go explosively higher than it currently is. That wasn't a forecast of what it will do, but that potential is there, especially for soybeans. And if we get a short crop in South America, it can for corn as well. That's still a big if, um, because the first crop, the summer corn crop in Brazil, is a very small crop and doesn't impact the global balance sheet that much. It has been hurt, but it's not going to have that big of an impact. It's the safrina crop and the Argentine crop that has a big impact. The safrina crop will be planted in, mostly in the month of February, so it's still seed in the bag, so to speak. Argentine crop just completed being planted, so there's a lot of time yet before we know how that plays out. Um, but uh, for soybeans, certainly so. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying you're predicting this, but potentially, what, what number could be out there for corn and, and, and soybean prices? Well, it, as I look at uh, my balance sheets and what could happen going forward, I see soybean supplies without a, an above-trend yield on either side of the equator. 
I see soybean supplies remaining very tight in the 21-22 marketing year. So if there's any weather threat on either side of the equator, we could quickly have prices in the high teens. We have never found a price yet that will ration demand to China for soybeans, even though back in 2012 they were paying more than $20 per bushel imported into China. So it's going to be tough to ration. On the corn side, you could see prices in the 6 to $7 range if all these things happen. Uh, it simply comes back to things that are unknown yet. It's just that we know after yesterday we're a lot more vulnerable to that to happen because the, the margin for error has become very small with corn now just as it was with soybeans. What's the latest your people are telling you in South America? Um, they're telling us that so far the rains have been very timely for the soybean crop there and they're still looking for uh, a 132.6 million metric ton soybean crop, which is just below yesterday's 133 million metric ton. The agronomist in me, when I look at the forecast and, and expected pattern shift that we're looking at at the end of this month and the next month, suggests that we'll probably have trouble finishing for a lot of the crop. And so just like in the United States, we'll get some smaller beans and drier beans being harvested. That'll pull that number down a little bit more. Uh, on the corn side, the first crop has been hurt. The second crop, they have every incentive to plant fence row to fence row, so to speak. The question is how will it start? Looks like Mato Grosso might turn quite dry as we go into February, which means producers are going to have a decision. Do they go ahead and plant the corn hoping for the rain, or do they wait for the rain before they plant the crop? They're going to face a big decision. In Argentina, it looks like we're dealing with some crop stress, a lower crop. Uh, USDA came down very close to where our numbers are at there. Uh, the question is how much below that do we come? We're going to come into a wetter period in late January and early February, but the key time is really going to be late February into March. So buckle the seatbelts, right? This could be a wild ride. It already has been for a while. Yeah, it really has been. Volatility in the commodities is going to be part of the story. That means a lot of risks for end users and opportunities for producers, but really the risks and opportunities shared both ways. You get price swings, you get opportunities to take advantage of. You just have to have a plan in place and be ready to do it. All right, that's the big story right now for agriculture, these markets, that's for sure. We'll stay in touch, Arlen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. So you heard him say we could be, not saying we will, but could be looking at uh, beans in the high teens, corn in the $67 range, if all these things, uh, all these factors fall into place that he was talking about. A lot of moving parts. Well, really sets up an interesting acres battle too uh, which uh, which uh, market buys the most acres uh, going into this year corn or beans that's going to be fascinating to watch as well we're going to talk about that and more with matt bennett with agmarket.net that's coming up next stay with us you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. 
Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Adams on Agriculture, conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're joined now by Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President, Member Services for the National Rural Health Association. What can you tell us how the rural health care system is holding up? We're seeing some leveling of increases, at least in the spread of COVID infection. Some of the case rates as percentage of 
total testing going down a bit, but in some places, of course, we're still seeing surges uh, with hospitalization rates of 30% or more of total admissions due to COVID. And this is, of course, presenting some real challenges for many rural communities to be able to keep up with that surge in demand. And uh, we're watching that with great interest as we come off of the Christmas holidays now. Hopefully, we won't be seeing a similar increase after the Christmas holiday like we did after Thanksgiving. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. We're uh, waiting for Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Gee, I wonder why uh, these market guys are hard to get a hold of right now. I think they're they're pretty busy. A <laughs> lot of interest in these markets and uh, marketing decisions. You just heard um, Arlen Suderman talk about the possibility of beans in the high teens and corn in the 6 to $7 range. We wait and continue to watch what happens with the weather in South America. What kind of crop are they going to have? Both uh, that bean crop and also what kind of corn crop are they going to have because all of a sudden I thought Arlen put it very very well from the report yesterday we've gone now from just having a soybean story with the the soybean market uh, pulling corn and wheat up with it Uh, now we have stories for both the corn market and the wheat market on their own as well so everything right now in a full bull market and uh, we wait and see how far this can go so it's uh, in some ways an exciting time it's also a kind of a nervous time you got a lot of decisions to make here and of course the other side and we always come back to this uh, for say the livestock producers it's a tough time because their input costs are are going higher as well got a feeling a lot of input costs are going to be going higher here as we get into this kind of a, a market scenario so we'll see how all this plays out we're going to continue to talk with our market analysts we have here on AOA and to get their thoughts and views on where we might be headed with this. Obviously, that situation in South America is a big part of it. The weather here in the U.S. will be a building story as we head towards spring planting time. Right now, a lot of dry areas, a lot of uh, dry weather still in the forecast. Uh, Does that get changed around late winter, early spring? Do we get the wet conditions to leave those fears or does that continue to build that is a key story to watch and always the story to watch is what china's doing as far as their purchases are concerned so you get all this we've talked about it kind of a perfect storm right now and it's just changed everything so dramatically in just a few short months where the the scenario was so the the storyline was so bearish last summer i mean all we talked about was a 
the high stocks numbers and how that was putting downward pressure on the markets and uh, you know how could we change that uh, story all of a sudden everything changed china buys a lot uh, so our our crop good but not as good as we thought it was going to be at one point potential of not as good a crop in south america as we thought might be coming china continuing to buy so all that coming together and here we go so hang on and uh, we'll keep you uh, up to date with as much uh, information as we can with our market uh, analysts just a lot happening there i want to go back to the comments made earlier by jeff cooper uh, with the renewable fuels association this is a very nervous time for the biofuels industry already coming off a very tough year in 2020 um, now having to wait even longer on the ruling on the tenth circuit court that decision again a year ago, the Tenth Circuit Court saying EPA was mishandling the small refinery exemptions that they were handing out, and uh, that was a just a huge victory. It appeared for the biofuels industry that uh, that would get addressed, but nothing has changed in the year since then. And now it goes to the Supreme Court. It could be this summer before uh, we know the final outcome on that, and we don't know what that outcome might be. What if they? Uh, uh, dismiss that Tenth Circuit Court, overrule it, uh, or even though the biofuels industry is confident that they'll uphold it, you just don't know. So it's more uncertainty, more limbo as we go into uh, 2021 now. So we wait on that. Meanwhile, watching closely in this last week of the Trump administration, will outgoing EPA Administrator Wheeler grant more small refinery exemptions? And you heard Jeff Cooper say, if so, be prepared for legal action. They're ready to take legal action on that. So that's going to be, you know, so key to watch here. Will there be these like parting gifts to the oil industry as as uh, this administration leaves office? We do not know. We'll be watching that so very, very closely. Uh, again, it shows, and you don't know. I mean, they're, they're confident. Jeff Cooper sounded very confident there's going to be a complete change in the approach to these small refinery exemptions under a Biden administration. But you just don't know. We hear things on said by candidates on the campaign trail, and until you see them back them up with actions, you never know, because we've seen both parties do this. Both uh, Democrats and Republicans in the White House say they support biofuels and they're going to do certain things, and then once they get in there, all of a sudden... We start hearing, well, EPA, their EPA is doing something different than what we heard on the campaign trail. So there's optimism that Michael Regan, the new, uh, the choice to be the new EPA administrator, that they're going to handle this differently. Hopeful, optimistic that that's the case if you're in the biofuels industry. But until it happens, until you see the actions to back up the words, you just can't be totally sure on that so we will keep a close watch these are some big stories here in this time of transition for our country with all that's going on in our nation's capital right now we will be watching all this closely so you have this huge bull market going on at the same time all this is happening just a lot of moving parts right now uh, another uh, story we want to be talking about tomorrow we'll have the latest on this the national pork producers council is un, uh, unveiling a new campaign, a multimedia campaign called Farming Today for Tomorrow. It's going to showcase U.S. pork producers' commitment to environmental stewardship and furthering the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. We're going to have the latest on this coming up tomorrow. This is a key story, too, because there is some apprehension in the ag community 
with the new administration coming in and all the talk about environmental issues and policies, climate issues, what is that going to mean for agriculture? Some opportunities? Probably. But also the possibility of uh, regulatory burdens being placed on agriculture and restrictions being placed on agriculture. Will that be a part of it too? So uh, agriculture is trying to make its case right now to the incoming Biden administration. Hey, look at what we're doing already. We're doing it on our own on a voluntary basis. Give us credit for that as you make these decisions with new policies moving forward. Very important for the future of agriculture, how this plays out. We'll be watching that closely as well. So much going on. Thank you for being with us today. We'll have much more tomorrow. Stay right with us here at AOA for the latest information. Thanks for joining us today. Be safe, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.